0: Yeah, 2 1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We're to every game, yeah. Get your Kodak, once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock the band. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, all the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back, cause if the bees, there, won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint, cause I'm will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it to feed to
1: What's going on everybody? Austin Krell with you, of course. This is the Feed to Embiid. And tonight is not just any regular episode. I do have a wonderful guest. John Johnson of WIP took some time out of his night to have a conversation with me about those Sixers a quarter of the way through the season. Um, John, I remember when the colangelo Twitter controversy first went down. I tweeted at you asking if it could potentially ruin everything because I was a sixers fan who had been mired in just you know abysmal play for for four years and I and the, the, that first taste of, of success was addicting and I was and I, the fact that you know the possibility that it could end things like, like that was obviously a thought in my mind. And rarely when people with thousands of followers, like you have ever respond, but you quoted my tweet and actually gave me an answer, and, and which, which was, and I remember it to this day, was, yes, in theory it could. And then obviously things didn't deteriorate that way, but I appreciated you from that moment forward taking the time to get back to, to respond to my tweet. Then, no, I, I appreciate it, man. Then in that same summer, I was driving back from the shore to Philly for an internship at 6 a.m., and you were in for Angelo with Al, and I think it might have been Hollis at the time. And I'll admit that at first, you know, when I heard it wasn't Angelo, I was I – was, I was, it, w- it wasn't going to be a bad car ride, but it's Angelo Cataldi, and Angelo, you know, he makes that show fly, but by the time I parked my car in Oaks, PA, I was drawn in, and I, I didn't want to stop listening. You did a fantastic job filling in, and I've always made it a point to listen to you ever since whenever you're on the air, so it is my honor to have you on my show tonight. Um, no,
2: I I appreciate it, man. There's there, and there is no one that can replace Angelo. I just I do my best in his stead when I'm filling in for him.
1: Well, you do a you do a tremendous job, and you do a tremendous job on your own show as well. When you when you do the nights, um, we are a quarter of the way through the season, and this team is 15 and six, winners of eight of their last nine. How would you grade the Sixers on, a, on an A plus to F scale? What would you attribute the positivity of your grade to, and then the negativity of it?
2: Hmm. Well, 15 and 6, you say, all right, well, that's, you know, that's, I mean, they're nine games above 500, a quarter of the way through, that's pretty darn good. But when you watch, you know, every single game and then you have to calculate, you know, your expectations for this season, this isn't a, feel it out season we'll make it to the playoffs engage it from there you know the expectations for this year are i mean some would say conference finals i say nba finals because this is a especially this specific year with the changes that have taken place in the taking place in the east i mean you have the sixers the bucks you have other teams that are fairly decent but those are your two top teams and you know given how much money you have invested into your starting five and Um, you know, the years that fans had to sit through to get to this point, your expectation better be NBA Finals. And because the bar is set so high, I right now give them a B minus. I wouldn't give them an A and I wouldn't give them a B plus for these reasons. Uh, You have your supporting cast, which is, you know, the bench is always going to be suspect. I mean, that's why they're the bench and not starters. So you're going to have hit or miss there. I mean, there is some questionable roster decision uh that uh, decisions that were made because you're lacking consistent perimeter uh threats the loss of jj reddick was huge you know for all his lack of defense and it wasn't for lack of trying just wasn't a good defender you know it's hard to just replace what he provided you from the perimeter and how he opened up everybody else's game Uh, but the starter specifically tobias harris is the guy's such a professional you know, from a media standpoint, he always gives you the time of day. He he strives to be the best. He works super hard. It, it just you're waiting for that moment. They signed him to a contract for something he isn't yet. You know, they, they signed him to that lucrative deal. You know, with the expectation that at some point, maybe even this year, he would become the go-to one of the go-to guys and put and and you know, deliver those big shots for you late in games and. We've seen little evidence of that to this point. And what we've seen is the same Tobias Harris we saw last year. He can be really good some nights, and then he can be hitter and miss some nights. Al Horford, I love the deal. I absolutely love when they first acquired him. You know, Maybe when he hits 36 and 37, it'll be an albatross. But if you can capitalize in this window now, he's a huge addition. Not only does he help out you know, Embiid in terms of uh, growth, but obviously – you know you can give him B those nights off and let him rest and be healthy for the playoffs. Josh Richardson, he's been hurt. I think, you know, time will tell with Josh. Right. The two the two mainstays, that's where the big questions mm-hmm. were. I give him a B minus. Ben Simmons all summer long, you saw the compilation videos of him out in Los Angeles working with uh trainer Chris Johnson and um, you know, working on his jump shot as well as different things and you see him hit three pointers and then you enter the season and you're like all right well he's clearly afraid to do it again and now he's made one he's he's attempted you know a couple jump shots made a couple jump shots but it's not the dramatic jump we were hoping for right um, you know it's 20 games in it may happen you know shortly over these next 3 quarters of the way but this is the op- this is the time to test it out and to work on it and the same thing goes with him at the free throw line As ugly as it is you know utilize that unique size that you have in speed for a player in your position. You know, draw fouls, get to the line, work on it, get better than 50-some percent. You know, this is the time, not when you hit game number 70. So as great as he's been defensively and he's improving, you know, you need him to come through in the clutch. And if we, you know, as we remember in the playoffs last year, it becomes four on five because in
1: the half court he can't do anything. And against I'm sorry, the Celtics too. Right, against the Celtics, right. I know I'm going on this is like a, a like a run-on sentence. No, please, here, please. And then, with, and then Joel Embiid.
2: We all know that Joel Embiid is the most important player to the 76ers from now until the time he stops wearing the jersey.
1: Right. Right. The
2: question mark with Embiid is always – well, it's really two question marks, but one is always going to be his conditioning. And when he gets winded and he does stuff that's ill-advised and he'll pull up and shoot threes at the top of the key, which is nice from time to time, but when you attempt six, seven, eight, nine of them in a game, yeah. That's when you're like, all right, well, can you get in the post, get in the low post, please? That's what you're best at. Right. Um, and that can become an issue. And, I, and unfortunately, I think that might always be an issue with Joel with considering the number of ailments that he'll always have for a guy of his size. Yeah. And you know, them trying to preserve him for the playoffs. And then the other issue is which we're seeing this season, which is very worrisome and, and kind of bothersome um, when he's, Paired up against somebody who's big and strong, who can be a veteran and knows how to handle him and doesn't fall for his moves,
1: like a Marcus. Like like,
2: like Marcus, Toronto, as crazy as it sounds,
0: specifically acquired Marcus last year to deal with Joel Embiid. Yep, and
2: you know, and it's worked out beautifully for them for the most part. And then you saw, you know, a couple nights ago against uh, Utah. And Rudy Gobert, reigning Defensive Player of the Year, he can contain Joel Embiid. And the worrisome part is you know, Embiid, and a lot of it has to do with maturity. Kind of, I don't want to say he gives up on it, but in a sense he does, because then he'll just pull up at the top of the key, or you know, he can be a distributor, and that's great and all. But when push comes to shove, late in the game you want the ball in his hands. You want him to, you know, deliver that that basket, whether it be layup or dunk or you know, even if it's a turnaround jumper over Gobert, a player like Gobert. And the fact that he hasn't matured and kind of you know gotten over this hump against certain guys, it's a little worrisome. Again, we have a lot of games to go plus the playoffs, but your two mainstays, your two cornerstones you were hoping for more growth to this
1: point, right? And it looks like the, uh, largely, in, in in you know, to to the untrained eye, especially that they haven't taken any kind of step forward at all. Um, speaking of Al Horford, you mentioned that you love the deal. He seemed to be flourishing when Embiid was, particularly when Embiid was out. You know, against the Pistons, he had I think twenty five, and, and then against the the Suns, he had thirty two. Um, he seemed to be flourishing without Embiid in the early part of the season and now he has slowly begun to settle into his role there are games you know previously where they would both play and Al would be the one who'd have eight points and Joel would have his big nights but now it seems like they're sort of figuring out where Al is in, in the middle of this lineup what do you envision his role on the team being going forward and then do you think he is enough to advance farther than where they were with Jimmy Butler
2: um his role moving forward is really a to be determined honestly and i don't mean that like as a kind of a cop-out because it's the one downside about where the sixers have been to this point in this season specifically is the starting five is played together so little so you can practice all you want but nothing replaces the game situations with the those five players together so that's where you kind of get build that chemistry as the season plays out. And, you know, against uh, – we'll go back to just the last game in, that we saw, uh, you know, against Utah. I'll, I'll use the Utah game, where Al Horford had um, 12 first-quarter points. So that's the first – most points any Sixers had in one quarter this – in the first quarter this season to this point. And Embiid, you know, had – I think it was seven to go along with it. So they had a good chemistry building, and they knew how to feed off one another. And that's going to be kind of the, the – the, back and forth and and trying to figure out um, how to work together when they are on the floor together. But as you know, as the game plays out, uh, unless it's the start of the second half or the closing minutes of a fourth quarter, you know, they're kind of rotated in and out with one another in order to give the other a break. So, well, we'll see how that plays out. Um, do I expect them to go further than last year? Was that the question?
1: Uh, so, do you, do you think that, that that Al Horford is enough to advance farther than, than than they did with Butler? Seeing as it was sort of like, okay, well, let's not you know let's not keep Jimmy and let's go to Al instead.
2: Um, hmm. that's tough. It's, it, Jimmy Butler for all he is and all he isn't. You know, he he was pretty clutch at times. You know, in his limited time as a Sixer and. The Sixers need to find that go-to guy, you know, and that's and that's going back to what we were just talking about. That's why they paid Tobias Harris all that money. They want him to become that guy. They want Al Horford to, you know, at times because they now have options. You have a lot of veterans on this team. Guys that have had it that have NBA experience now, so you can to pick and choose. But having said that, what they have on this roster right now, as constructed, it's not enough. Right. They, they need Elton Brand needs to acquire. Uh, you know perimeter players. You know whether it be the buyout market or closer to the trade deadline, they don't have a whole lot they can trade. Uh, but the roster has constructed now, they need more uh, than just uh, we're referencing Al Horford. But they need more than what they have to get past to get past Milwaukee.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, speaking of Jimmy Butler, there's always sort of been this lack of clarity as to you know what exactly what was offered, what wasn't offered, and why things didn't work out. Do you think that the Sixers are better off? Without Jimmy Butler, not not really as just, you know, looking at the, the product on the court right now, but long term, it, it, do you think that the core has now extended its expiration date now that they have gone, you know, with, with Tobias and Al as opposed to with Jimmy Butler? Because my theory would be that Ben Simmons would have said goodbye after this season if, um, <laughs> if Jimmy was still here.
2: Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Brett Brown, I think, played a huge factor in the decision making in terms of what ultimately they wanted to offer Jimmy Butler or didn't want to offer Jimmy Butler. And uh, for all – when it comes to Butler, the best way I can describe him is this. He would have had a very short life. Let's suppose he signed a five-year deal, six-year – whatever, five-year deal here. It would have grown old in two years tops. He, you know, Jimmy Butler is exactly what you think he is, although he can be extremely talented at times. He's very arrogant. He's very cocky. He thinks nobody works as hard as he does. And he, he has no filter. Right. So if he's in a bad mood, he takes it out on everybody. And, and he, he he gets he wears you down. And he recently did that one interview where, you know, he was kind of he was being questioned about the Sixers leadership and guys' goals. Jimmy Butler is like Terrell Owens, but without Terrell Owens talent. You know, Terrell Owens is a Hall of Famer. Right. Jimmy Butler is I cuss at best. I mean no, he's not a Hall of Famer. What am I saying? You know he, he's he thinks he is, but he doesn't quite have that level of talent, uh, and he has the arrogance to go along with it. So long term, it wouldn't have worked out with Jimmy Butler, and I don't think they would have got to the NBA Finals with Jimmy Butler. This is, um, even you know, having said that, it's still a huge risk with what the Sixers did to pay to invest all this money in your starting five for years to come. I mean, this is it. This is they have to make this work.
1: Right. No, absolutely and um, you know i think a, a big re- i think a big reason why this core is seeing success it, it, as you look through the, proves- the progression from 2 years ago 13 and they started out 13 and 9 at this point and then last year it was 14 and 7 this year it's 15 and 6 i think you know even though the progression is sort of slow it is linear and i think a part of seeing that part of that success is because the the the, the pieces are hand picked by the coach and i believe Brett Brown um, has the the primary pieces in his lineup to get to that promised land, although there are some admitted pieces on the periphery that aren't there yet. But do the pieces have the right coach to get there?
2: Yeah, that's that's going to be an ongoing question all season long. And, and to be perfectly honest, I question it. Yeah. You know, Brett's been here since the beginning, and he was owed the chance to, you know, prove with an adequate roster that he can be a great head coach. And you know, I've learned a ton from Brett Brown about the game of basketball, a ton. And, he, and he's a great guy, and he's great at teaching fundamentals and, and help to help grow players. But the one thing that I worry about more than anything, there's always been questions about him tactically late in the game, him making judgment calls. But more importantly, which is what I wonder about, every coach has a shelf life, no matter how great they are. And when you're dealing with certain players, Specifically, Ben Simmons, who he has a relationship since birth, he had a relationship with his father, and Joel Embiid, who has been here since the beginning, you know, more or less with Brett. You know, his relationship with them may ultimately determine whether he gets fired or not, right? And how they respond to his teachings and/or demands, right? You know, the players have such power in the NBA more than any other sport. They can get a coach fired, you know, in the drop of a hat. You know, if Brett is, is preaching, Ben, you got to do this, you got to do that. And Ben's ignoring him. Well, Ben's going to get his own head coach fired. Right. And the same thing with Joel. When Joel gets winded and, you know, Brett's saying, all right, you got to do this. And he's, and he just nods his head and then goes rover on the court. You know, he's going to get his head coach fired, in which case it'll be justifiable. You know, and they'll have to move on, bring somebody else in who may have to be a little more authoritative with them, you know, and maybe they'll, that coach will end up getting them over the top. But. Elton Brand. No matter what happens, they're going to give Brett this entire season. And yeah, I think we'll know for certain at the conclusion of this year the future of Brett.
1: No, I completely agree. And I a couple of times I've been very close to, to tweeting out that it's ironic in that you know the the biggest defender of both the of the weaknesses of both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid is. You know, for someone who's their biggest defender, they're going to be the ones that get him fired if they can't progress the way that they need to progress. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, there was a lot of talk about what would happen last year if they didn't get past Toronto. And a lot of people speculated that Brett was was, was basically on death's doorstep with this team. I, I thought he was. Do you believe Joshua Harris and David Blitzer were very close to, to, to letting Brett Brown go? And do you think they want him here truly past this year?
2: Uh I can tell you they most certainly were ready to let Brett Brown go uh, after that Game 7 loss in Toronto. Brett Brown uh, was, you know, he'd never actually said it, but his mannerisms after the game, uh, you know, the, the thanking of, of saying goodbye to certain people, he cert- I, Brett himself certainly felt like there was a good chance that he was going to be fired. And, uh, you know, for, this is just from individuals I spoke to, um, you know, back at the time. You know, between Elton Brand and Joel Embiid specifically, you know, they told Joshua Harris, no, this guy needs more time. There's no need to fire him. I think it's a little over the top. And they, those two individuals are the reason that Brett Brown came back for this season. Absolutely. Um, So Josh Harris, for all that everybody's been through with him and, you know, his venture capitalist group, buying a sports organization for the first time and learning on the fly, which has just been terrible for the fan base. Um... I'd be willing to bet if this team, you know, falls in the semifinals or it looks ugly in the conference finals, uh, you know, there's a I would there's a high probability that Joshua Harris would say, all right, it's time to move on from Brett and find
1: somebody else. Right, John. I know that you that you uh you know you took time out of out of your, out of your work night at WIP. So I have one more question for you. Then I'll let you go. Um, mm-hmm. What is the ceiling for this team as currently constructed?
2: In terms of like, if it stays the same, how far do they go? Yes. Boy, that's it is amazing how you look at the uh, the NBA more than any other sport. You can almost, you know, handpick the four teams in each conference you expect to to the semifinals, and then you know, halfway through the season, you can almost tell who's going to be in the conference finals or even NBA finals the way it's set up right now as good as toronto has been i i i'm blown away that they're 15 and five i just can't imagine they, they keep up at this pace same with the heat you know, the same thing with the heat. uh you know boston for that matter um i i i still think i mean well what answer is on a whole nother level i yep. mean that guy is just unbelievable You know, Milwaukee is very deserving of their record, very deserving of being the number one seed and the favorites to represent the conference in the NBA finals. You know, right after Milwaukee, I still have the Sixers because the talent is there. You know, they they have that. They have the talent to take down Milwaukee. It's a question of whether
1: they'll unlock it in time. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Last thing I thought of on the spot before while you're answering that. um, And a lot of a lot of people want to know this because it's been sort of a, a perplexing situation. What is the future of Zaire Smith with this team? (laughs)
2: the quest, the future of Zaire Smith is very much up in the air. He, I wouldn't be surprised um, if he's traded by the trade deadline. I wouldn't at all. He's not growing at the rate that they expected, um, which is why he's getting all this playing time uh, with, you know, the G League team in Delaware. Um, It's unfortunate. They were hoping to get him some, you know, uh, at the very least bench minutes and growing from there something that we're basically doing with Matisse Stiebel and he's not growing at the rate they were hoping. he's still extremely raw I mean granted he was injured most of last year and couldn't do much of anything it was a medical issue but um, to this point it's been a massive disappointment with Zaire Smith
1: right I have, I'm gonna say two more things to you and then and then, then we'll let you go um, I know it eats you alive that your that your your good old friend Mark Fultz is starting to figure it out in Orlando yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, he was. Uh, I was so happy when he was finally gone from here. It's unfortunate. It was a complete waste of a, a draft pick and a trade, all, you know, an, an additional draft pick to, to trade up to get him. I mean, he was uh, just a pain in the rear of the 76ers. Didn't want to listen. Was very immature. Uh, and then we saw all the other issues that go along with it. We'll see what happens with him. Awesome. I mean, he's he's very athletic, but, you know, I, you know put up some. Mid range jump shots, you know, six, seven, eight in a game, then I'll then I'll say I was Right.
1: Wrong. I hope you get those push ups next time. Thanks so much, John. <laughs> Talk to you. And a huge thank you to John Johnson for being a guest on the Feed to MB tonight. He was really a tremendous conversation. Wonderful guy. Uh even an even better interview. Uh, a quick word from our sponsors. Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgun time at parties? I know I do. Check out our boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole under a second. It is also a tab puller, a vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. The King Cobra is Cobra spelled with a K. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the code TRUSTTHECOBRA10. All caps all one word. Pick up yours today. The feed to Embiid and its name are protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution without my written permission is prohibited. Copyright the feed to MB 2019. As always, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Sixers play play the Wizards um, on Thursday night in D.C. We'll be back with post-game coverage following that game.